When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the old radio comedy podcast. It's episode 38 of season 2 and time for another classic comedy radio show from the golden age of radio. For today's special one-hour edition, we're reaching way back into the dawn of radio, to the early 1930s. Fred Allen was originally a vaudevillian musician and comedian who went on to Broadway shows and musicals. In 1927, he married a chorus girl, Portland Hoffa, who partnered with him in his radio career and remained with him until his death in 1956. Allen became one of radio's newest and biggest stars, starting with his first show, The Linnet Bath Club Review, in 1931, which became the Salad Bowl Review after changing sponsors to Hellman's Mayonnaise, then the Sal Hepatica Review in 1933, The Hour of Smiles in 1934, and then Town Hall Tonight in 1935. In 1939, it became The Fred Allen Show, which solidified Allen as one of radio's biggest stars. He also was one of radio's most censored stars, as he tangled frequently with radio censors, management, and sponsors. For example, Allen was forbidden from mentioning the name of the fictitious town North Wrinkle until it could be proven that no such town name actually existed. His disagreements with network executives resulted in him not so subtly barbing them on the air in skits. And the on-air feud that Allen had with Jack Benny that ran for many years was legendary, although it was actually fake. They were the best of friends in real life. The show became Texaco Star Theater in 1940, and his sponsors forced him to book more famous guests, instead of Allen's signature tradition of booking lesser-known talents, as he usually did. Due to this frustration and some health issues, Allen took a year off, returning in 1945 under the old name The Fred Allen Show on NBC Radio, and he added the DeMarco sisters as his musical act. Allen's show ended in 1949 after being the top radio show in America from 1947 to 1948. Today, we bring you one of his earliest radio programs surviving to this day, when it was known as the Salad Bowl Review, and about a decade before the comedy-style and format of his show changed to the more topical and popular one that shot him to the top of the radio charts. Then, as a special edition of the podcast, we'll bring you one of his very last shows 15 years later. Sit back and relax for an old gem from his early radio career, the October 6, 1933 broadcast of the Salad Bowl Review, and then the Fred Allen Show's April 24, 1949 broadcast, three weeks before the program's finale. Presenting Fred Allen. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We've come to another Friday night, and you know that means another Salad Bowl Review. Well, Indian summer will soon be here, and around the reservations, everyone knows that the well-dressed squaw will be wearing a muslin blanket. But with or without reservations, if you will have a heart-to-heart talk with the nearest head of lettuce, you will find that the well-dressed salad is still wearing Hellman's mayonnaise. 
The papers say that the radio show held at Madison Square Garden last week was a great success. One exhibit showed a new invention, a radio set that fits into your bathtub. Imagine stepping in to take a shower, and just as you turn on the water, the bathtub looks up at you and says, Hello, everybody. <laughs> so much for progress. Tonight, if you'll step into the salad bowl, ladies and gentlemen, we'll take you back for a last look at the Tiptoe Detective Agency. I am still Inspector Allen, and while I'm greeting my relatives in the police lineup, Ferdy Grofay will conduct us into my office. Tiptoe Detective Agency? Yes, we've reduced prices. Inspector Allen will tell you the new rates. Hello? Yes, everything's come down. Shadowing 40 cents an hour, marked down from 60. On sunny days, it's even cheaper. Yes, I shadow at night. I use a sun lamp. No, we don't have wholesale prices. Why don't you get a mirror and a blowtorch and shadow yourself? He has a lot of nerve. Oh, it's some guy. He's a bigamist. He suspects both of his wives. There's a man here. He looks like Jerry the Red. Hey, Jerry's dangerous, but send him in. I'll give him the third degree before he can open his mouth. Here's your club. Thanks. I'm ready for him. Hello, Inspector. Jerry the Wren, hey? Where were you at twilight on the 7th? Oh, don't hit me, Inspector. Come I... clean, I'll massage your skull. Ow! Playing possum, eh? Who stole those glass doorknobs at the Bolivar Mansion? Are you nuts? Don't change the subject. At twilight on the 7th... Oh, that's the last straw. I'm going to punch you in the nose. Oh, right in the eye. That's twilight and on... And here's the... twilight for your other eye. Oh, that's my mouth now. My lips are swelling. Wait a minute, Jerry. I ain't Jerry. I came to see about your subscription to the Blue Detective magazine. Oh, I can't see to read a magazine. But I'll take two pounds of steak for my eyes. Well, don't bother me. I'm a vegetarian. Oh, oh, Inspector, oh, look at your face. Oh, is it bad? Your profile is running crosswise. Push my teeth in through my lip, will you? There. Oh, not my nose, my teeth. I can't tell your nose from your teeth. My nose has no enamel on it. Oh, there. Now you're all right. Mm, that's your story. Tiptoe Detective Agency. Oh, it's Dr. Pickhard, the dentist. Hello, Doc. Yes, I caught that guy who's been breaking into your waiting room every week. He's no burglar. He's a patient you finished last week. Yes, he's been reading a continued story in one of your office magazines. Right. Oh, excuse me, Inspector. One of your eyes is open. I know. I opened it. Can you see three strange-looking men? I'll try. Who are they? I'll show them in. It is I, the Shadow. Hello, Shadow. Whatever became of the groundhog? My dear Inspector. And you, Sherlock Holmes. Yes, Watson was elementary, Inspector. You're impossible. No cracks, Holmes. I'll give you more needles than Watson ever saw. <laughs> Have you met Charlie Chan? Hello, Charlie. Salutations, Inspector Allen. I'm pretty busy, boys. Now, what is it you want? We have found a mystery none of us can solve. <laughs> it is a real mystery. We are No case is too difficult for me, boys. Yes, you're the only one who can give us this solution. And what is the mystery? When all of the good detectives like us are off the air, how did you get back at radio? Exactly. <laughs> Solve that. Miss Watson. Yes, sir? Uh, turn that radio dial quick before the sponsors decide to solve that mystery. All police cars stand by. Mysterious disappearance of Bill Bailey. This is Bailey frantic. Details as follows. <laughs> I see you no more, Bill Winkie's eye. 
Pictures of what? Well, Papa left home this morning. He said he had a job. Say, things must be picking up if he's been thrown back into employment. Mama wouldn't even believe it. Is that where the camera comes in? Yes. Mama wanted me to get a picture of Papa on the job. For what? For posterity. She said no one would believe her if she told them Papa went to work in this life. If she had pictures, she could prove it. I get it, but you should have a moving picture camera. Not for Papa. He's so slow you can catch him working with a time exposure. And what is he doing? He's assistant window dresser in a piano store. Assistant window dresser? Yes. After the head window dresser carries in the piano, Papa comes in with the stool. I see. 50-50. No. Papa's 55. The other man's about 40. Papa's older physically, but he's younger mentally. I'll intimate. He always misses his big chances. Doesn't he hear opportunity when it knocks? No. So many people are knocking, Papa. He can't tell which knock is opportunities. Oh, well, any knock is as good as a boost. Maybe. But a boost is better if you're trying to look over a transom. You said it when you said Dixie. I didn't say Dixie. If you ever do say Dixie, you will have said it. You're a, you're a swell detective. Thank you. Mama says you couldn't find the corned beef in a boiled dinner. You tell your mother she'd better watch her steps. She always watches her steps. How come? So the people upstairs won't swipe our milk. Don't tell me your neighbors are veranda filchers. I'll intimate. They copy everything Papa starts. Say, what's wrong with him? Well, his stomach is upside down for one thing. What caused that? He stood on his head too much when he was a boy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't his stomach bother him upside down like that? Oh, yes. He has to eat all of his meals backwards. You mean he starts dinner with a finger bowl? Yes. Then he has black coffee and an entree of pie. Now, what does he finish with? He always says grace at the finish. I quit. Hello. Who is this? The mayor? Yes, Your Honor. The city's been robbed. I know the taxpayers have been suspecting that. Oh, 40 manhole covers are missing? Okay, I'll go to the nearest manhole and look into it. That's 
terrible, isn't it? Who would steal 40 sewer tops? I asked Papa. He said the city was roasting yesterday. You think he'd take off all the manhole covers? He might. He's a fiend for ventilation. Oh, are you leaving? Yes. You've got me so mixed up, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. You're going, I hope. Goodbye, Portland. Peekaboo! Attention, attention. Police cars stand by. Proceed at once to party at home of Mrs. Nichols, prominent society leader. Stand by to escort departing guests. Stand by to escort departing guests. I say. Everybody seems to be having a good time. Hello, Tiptoe Detective Agency. Who is this? The Union Knitting Mills? 200 suits of red flannel underwear have been stolen? I know, we had our first frost last night. Search the nearest communist nudist camp. Okay. Oh, uh, oh, Inspector Allen, there's a man out here fighting with a little boy. The man is wearing a barrel. Is the little boy wearing a cake? Well, I'll see. Oh, hello, uh, uh, Inspector Fallon, uh, Alan, you old hot blow, bleed bound, uh, blood bound. Uh, I'm Oi, Roy Ratwell, Oi, Ra- Roy Ratwell. Oh, he's just an old fuss budget, Inspector. Who's an old bus budget, a uh, blush grudget? Uh, hold my your young tongue, kid. Remember, rage before age, I mean, uh, age before uh, beauty, and the heart, the cart before the mare, I mean the horse. Wait a second, Atwell. Watch your haphazard gibberish. Oh, I'll scotch my hap-gizzard, my gap has my hap-gizzard gildefish. Just keep still. <laughs> Now, what's the matter, son? He lost his pants. Yes, frost, uh, frost my, uh, frost my plants. I, I'll, I'll spank the stuff, stuffing out of me. You, I'll, t- I'll tan your tide. I'll, I'll hand now, your. Now, now, keep your barrel on, Atwell. Well, I'll creep, I'll weep on my barrel. Yes, I, I'll sleep and I'll, I'll, I'll keep my nose in the bunghole too. I, I, pump, I pump my went, I, I went, I want my pants, my, my, my pants. Well, how did you lose them? It's his own fault, Inspector. You see, they were letting little boys in free to the baseball game today. Yes, little balls free to the, I mean, little balls free to the big uh, baseball, little, little baseballs, uh, little, uh, oh, well, let it go, let it go. Well, Mr. Atwell here wanted to borrow my short pants so he could get in free. When he took his pants off, I accidentally threw them over the fence. He threw my perps over the pants on fences. I mean, he pants my fence over the perps. Uh, oh, oh, you, you can't pull, you can't wool the pull over my pants. I mean, my ear, my eyes. Why, I wouldn't tie a tin can to a dog's tail. Oh, you wouldn't tie a dog's can to a tin pail. Why, you'd tie, you'd tie, you'd tie the big bag wolf, the big, big bag wolf to the three little pre- pre- pigs, you stand stealer, you can't stealer. Here, dealer. here, cool off now. I'll telephone the boy's school teacher. Ah, now you're squawking. The boy's school teacher, a school teacher. Yes, she'll teach him, she'll teach him, a, a, teach him a thing or three. I mean, goo, a two. I ought to smack you right in the kisser, you stool pigeon. Who's a fool, Stigeon? You can't kiss me in the smacker. Eh, pipe down. Wait till I get you outside. Oh, I'll pipe down. I'll, I'll, I'll... The boy school teacher is coming right over. Oh, Roy, I mean boy. Uh, watch me stuff my stuff. Uh, stuff my cup. Uh, stuff. Kiss me, kid. I'm a, I'm a polylop. A lily cup. A uh, lollipop plop. Yeah, she won't give you a tumble. Won't give we, uh, me a fumble? She, she's my little totsy hotsy. Oh, hello, Inspector Allen. Oh, there you are, Georgie. Hello, Miss Rumble Twitch. Hello, teacher. Hello, uh, Miss. Uh, hello, uh, uh, baby, baby, baby doll. Uh, how about a little ha- uh, date for for the fight tonight? I'll fake me. Uh, take we you to the flea, cir- flea circus, and we'll make a, f- a night of it. 
Sir, how dare you? Inspector, this man's been making a pest of himself. Pasting a nest of myself? Self? He's been writing love sonnets on my blackboard. I'm writing sunsets on whose blackbeard? A blackboard. I mean, on a blackboard. I, I always slay it with sour. Uh, say it with flowers. Yesterday he wanted to talk to teacher, so he made me leave his hat in the teacher's room. I made him leave the room in the teacher's hat. I, it's a lie. The, bo- the boy, the boy needs a good deal, a deal of yanking, a spanking. Spare the tire. I mean, spare the child and spill the. I mean, rob the child and share the spo- spoil. Spare the spoil. Uh, oh. Well, let it go, let it go. I think a little spanking will do you both good. What do you say, Miss Rumbletwitch? You're right, Inspector. I'll take Georgie. No, no, you fi- you take me, Miss Miss Fumbleitch. Now, I'll take care of you, Atwell. Turn around, Miss R, while I get him out of this barrel. Well, let me go, I'll go, let me go. Wait, wait, wait. I'll warm your epidermis, Atwell. Oh, oh, don't, yelp, help. He who, he who, 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 he who. Just hear them sisters groaning, and hear them brothers moaning. Alan, there's a very excitable couple here. Tell them I'm in conference. In conference? Yes, I'm talking to myself. Hello, calm yourself. Calm yourself, yourself. Why not calm myself? My wife, he's come with me. Hey, where's the boss? I'm Inspector Allen. What's wrong? Well, my vegetable store, she's been around. My truck, she's been hijacked. And my wife, he's no good for not. What was stolen from your vegetable store? Spinach. All of the spinaches are gone. Say, that's the fourth spinach robbery in two days. It's a new racket. Someone's trying to corner the spinach market. Oh, the spinach market cheese not on the corner. Keep quiet while I deduce. You mean deduce you for cheese the muscle in the salute? Here, here. No demonstration, please. Now, are you sure nothing else was stolen from your vegetable counter? Sure, boss. We got plenty of onions, potatoes, tomatoes, bananas. For chips, we got a no spinach. We got a no spinach. Here, here. Stop it. Stop it. Who ever heard of Italian hillbillies? <laughs> now, uh, pick up your hat and wife, Luigi. Let's go. Miss Watson. Yes, sir? Get me uh, disguise number six. The conservative man about town. You know, red nose, bulging Adam's apple, white vest, cutaway coat, and torn away pants. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, here you are. Your own brother wouldn't know you. Good. I owe him $10 anyway. <laughs> Give me that black box. Careful now. Don't drop it. Come on. Get a move on yourself. Hurry up. Put it, please. You'll get your spinach if I have to look under every hard-boiled egg in town. Come on. We'll go down to your store. I've Quiet, quiet. This is my place here. You want for me to make light for no, you? No, I'll use my flashlight. Hey, what for you got this black box? Listen, whoever carried off your spinach had to leave a trail of sand. But, Samar, I know can't see the sand. Exactly. You and I can't see the small grains of sand. But here in this box, I have 10,000 trained ants. Now, I'm going to turn them loose. The ants will pick up the sand to build an anthill, see? All we have to do is follow them. Hey, it's a crazy... Stand back now. I'll break open the box. Now, watch where those ants go. Come on, we'll follow them. Look, they all go this way. They're turning to the right. Where does this road lead to? That's a lead down to the river. To the river? Come on, sure. quick. There's no time to be lost. Hey, hey, wait for me. Wait for the ants. Hey, look. Look, that's a bunch of small kids by the water there. Hey, they're throwing boxes overboard, too. Hey, hey there, you kids. Grim, you were celebrating the Boston Tea Party. Oh, Grim, you were celebrating the Boston Tea Party. Boston Tea Party. Open with the boxes, boys! Yeah. Oh, it's finished! 
Hey, spinach! That's a my spinach! Say it with a spinach, will you? Say, what is all this? It's a revolution. We won't eat spinach. We stole every bit of spinach in town. We're throwing it away. Wait a minute, boys. Don't be too hasty. Spinach is good for you. Don't you know, boy, boys know that spinach contains vitamin B, G, and D? Why don't you mind your own business? Don't get militant, ragamuffin. I forbid you boys to throw another box overboard. Yeah, who do you think you are? I warn you, you junior louts. I stand here as George Washington stood. Who is this, Sam? He's nuts. He says he's George Washington. Let's get him, fellas. Yeah, let's throw him overboard. Now, I'll report this. I'll write my congressman. You kids have put me down. Help! Help! Help, Luigi! I'm going down. That's a fine one. You come up. Bring up in a spinach. is now as low as 15 cents for a half-pint jar. Why not buy the best? Yes, certainly. Why not buy the best? Now that every woman can afford Hellman's mayonnaise, why not serve it exclusively on your salad? can afford it. In most instances, the price of the half-pint jar is as low as 15 cents, and the prices of other sizes are relatively just as low. Every woman can also afford those other delicious Hellman products. Hellman's Relish Spread, Hellman's French Dressing, and Hellman's Thousand Island Dressing. No one need use salad dressings which do not supply the same health benefits or fine flavor as Hellman's mayonnaise, a true mayonnaise. So I repeat, at the new low prices, why not buy the best? Get a jar of Hellman's tomorrow. Mr. Allen's elfin advice on etiquette. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Well, our etiquette department is going like a blacksmith's clientele in a one-horse town. And the postcard tonight comes from Professor Merrill G. Clark at Detroit, Michigan. Professor Clark says, quote, I am an English professor at a local college and always have trouble eating alphabet soup in restaurants. Invariably, the waiter serves me a plate of alphabet soup containing grammatical errors, which he expects me to swallow. I have taught English so long that a grammatical error, even in this form, uh, uh, upsets me internally. What should I do? Unquote. Alphabet soup has always been a problem to grammarians, Professor Clark. Many professors finding errors correct the soup and send it back to the chef, giving him some homework besides. Other teachers send for soup censors supplied by the makers of the illiterate broth. The censors will gladly remove any objectionable words that may have formed in your soup, but generally, by the time the censor leaves, your soup is cold, and while you may enjoy a grammatical triumph, gastronomically you are defeated. The best thing to do is to order your alphabet soup with the H's dropped and eat it as English mutton broth. Since fully, since fully 60% of the soup consumed in this country ends up on men's vests anyway, you are really swallowing nothing but your pride and 40% of the liquid insult. If you, too, have a problem in etiquette lying unsolved in your dumb waiter, ladies and gentlemen, why not send me the spare parts of a possible faux pas, and I shall be glad to spank my mind in an effort to help you, as I know I have helped Professor Clark tonight. This is Fred Allen saying good, spelled G-O-O-D, night, spelled N-I-G-H-T. And don't forget, the well-dressed salad is wearing Hellman's mayonnaise. <laughs> How's that for a, an interlude? The Ford Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show.
The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guests, Basil Rathbone, Fulton Hoffa, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Fenley, the DeMarco Sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar speaking for your Ford dealer. It has been years since any new development in trucks has created such a sensation as the new line of Ford trucks. In the first place, they're tomorrow. Sunday night again. Here comes Fred Allen and his new Ford to keep his weekly date at the corner of Main Street. As Fred turns to lock his Ford, he hears a voice say, Mr. Allen! Portland, Jesus. Portland, what is that, uh, what is that poster you just tacked up on the telephone pole? Uh, this is Natural Health Week. Natural Health Week. Well, it's about time we had a health week. Lately, we've had nothing but disease weeks. Sinus week, have your appendix out week Get a friend to look in and see if your tonsils are infected week If people observe natural health week, they'll live forever Oh, that's bad If people live forever, what will become of the undertakers? They'll all be busy Busy doing what? Burying doctors You mean if people are all healthy? The doctors will starve to death Oh, that's ridiculous The doctors are so rushed today They're calling the latest sickness Virus X They haven't even got time to think up a name for it I read that some of uh, I read that some doctor's laboratory uptown Is selling mouse milk For $10,000 a quart Only a quart to a customer One quart they milk the mouse? Well, they use tweezers and a small Dixie cup. <laughs> and a man with a light touch, I understand. Told to me on excellent authority, which I checked out later in the day. What'd he say? What'd he say? <laughs> That's awful. I'm stealing from Mari Amsterdam. <laughs> mouse milk. Well, I tell you what, they have a mouse dairy uptown. If you pass there at sundown, just before milking time, you can hear the mice mooing in their stalls <laughs> up there and chewing their junior cuds as the day comes to a close. Well, Portland, what's new this week? Billy Rose just got back from a trip round the world. Oh, I saw him in Lindy's. Happened to look under a table and he was standing there. <laughs> <laughs> With his hat on, too. They have eyes. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy spent two days in London and came back with a British accent. Oh, I heard when Billy Rose goes to his country home, he lives like an English gentleman. He rides to the hounds? He doesn't have to. Well, why not? With Billy Rose's money, the hounds come to him. Oh, say, they, the dogs are going to the Rose, eh? Well, this, uh, this is getting silly, Portland. I think I'll go along and get my paper. May I come, too? Oh, sure. Come on, let's take a walk down Main Street. Say, Say, here's a political ad. Look at this. Alonzo Squires is running for the city council in Charlotte, North Carolina. Imagine he's got an ad way up here in the New York paper. Look at this. A thought for today. What is this? The emptiest man in the world is the man who is full of himself. Say, here's something. Don't bother with that. We'll take it up. I'll ask questions later. Here's something. Look at this. The secretary of the National Education Association says that schools are not neglecting the three R's and that he also claims here the techniques of teaching are vastly improved. Do you think the methods of teaching are better? Eh, 
Say, it's so long since... <laughs> so long since I went to school, I don't even know, Portland. I tell you, I'll ask some people now as we're walking down Main Street. This man coming along drooling on his lapel to keep his gardenia fresh. <laughs> Pardon me, sir. Well, I say Claghorn's the name. Senator Claghorn, that is. Well, sir. Don't ham and haw, son. Shoot it to me. What's on your mind? Well, I... Let's go, son. I'm busier than a glutton loose in a pantry. <laughs> you're, uh, you're busy? Yeah, me and Harry opened the baseball season down in Washington. Harry threw out the first ball. Did the president enjoy participating? You couldn't stop him. The way things are going, Harry will play ball with anybody. <laughs> Harry couldn't wait to throw that first ball out to the Washington team. Why? It was the first time this year the senators took anything from Harry. (laughs) Senator, I noticed, I noticed that Governor Dewey went to the Yankee game. Yeah, I seen the picture in the paper, son. Yes. First, I didn't recognize Governor Dewey with that mustache. No? I thought it was some man eating a Hershey bar sideways. Oh, I... (laughs) Well, I read that, um... I read that Mr. Dewey is going to Europe. Well, he's doing the smart thing, son. Going to Europe? When he comes back, Dewey's going to enter the country as an immigrant and start all over. <laughs> well, Senator, what about scattered applause, you notice? I'll let it accumulate and give it to you in a lump later. <laughs> Senator, what about our question tonight? Do you think the techniques of teaching at school have improved? Well, son, the foundation of our American school is the three R's. The American... What about foreign schools? Russia has the three R's. Russia has the three R's? Poland's R's, Hungary's R's, and Bulgaria's R's. <laughs> well, how about teaching in this country, Senator? Well, son, the greatest teacher in the U.S. today is little old Harry Truman. He's the greatest teacher? At the last election, Harry taught 40 million Republicans a lesson. So long, son. So long, that is. Now, come on. Come on, Portland. What are you stopping for? Look at this sign. Outside the tavern? Uh Uh-huh. It says, no parking. Let me see. No parking near tavern. This is a loading zone. Who? Titus Moody. Hi, hi, Mr. Moody. How are you, Bob? That's some suitcase you have there. Yeah, it's cellophane. A, a cellophane suitcase? Why, look, you can see right through it. Comes in mighty handy. Well, how? If I'm looking for something, I hold up my suitcase. Yeah? If I can't see what I'm looking for, uh-huh. I know I got it on. Well, that's... <laughs> Well, Mr. Moody, about this school business. Now, do you think the teaching methods have improved? Oh, shucks. I don't know nothing about schools. Oh, really? No. My whole family was so ignorant there was a law against us. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you were really ignorant, eh? Yeah. My pa not only didn't know nothing, he didn't suspect nothing. <laughs> Mama, she drowned two of my brothers before she knew they were children. Hey, that's that's uh, that's pretty bad. And my uncle, Snavely Moody, yes, he he didn't even know he was supposed to wash himself, not till he see a cat doing it. He uh, he got the idea from the cat, eh? Uh, every Saturday night, my uncle would sit around in front of the stove lapping himself. <laughs> 
me, how how do you feel about learning? Why, everything depends on the teacher. I see. The little country school I went to, the teacher taught arithmetic by counting off her toes to the oh, class. Oh, the teacher would count on her toes? Uh, she'd put her two big bare feet up on the desk. Yes. But the little toe on her right foot was missing. Well, did the missing toe bother her arithmetic teaching? Oh, it sure did. How? Till I was 40 year old, I thought five and five was nine. So long, <laughs> Portland, look, a, a new bakery just opened on Main Street. Oh, Mama says it's run by a midget. How does your mother know the bakery is run by a midget? All they sell is shortcake. Oh, I see. Well, I get it. Very good. Semi-clever, I'd say. <laughs> look who's coming out of the bingo game. Mrs. Nussbaum, tell me, how did you do playing bingo? My luck a horseshoe should have. <laughs> you, uh, you are not bringing home the bacon? Not to my home. <laughs> I couldn't stop tonight. I'm in a hurry. I couldn't talk anymore. What, Mrs. Nussbaum? It's too bad. Oh, Mrs. She... Nussbaum couldn't stop. Well, what do you know? Well, it's all right. I tell you, I'll try this little man coming along carrying the green flag. Hi, buddy. Here, come on. Hello. 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 Ajax Cassidy. What is that green flag with the gold harp on it, Ajax? Erin Gobra. You mean you're celebrating? Haven't you heard the news, you heathen infidel? Ireland is free. Have you been celebrating all week? Ah, oh, me boy, as soon as word reached Kerrigan's, we all drank a toast to the Republic. Yes. Then we drank a toast to Eamon de Valera. Yes. Next, a toast to King George. Yes. Then a toast to Martin Downey. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Then, then a voice said, this drink is on the house. On the house. How we all got up there, nobody knew. <laughs> the new republic is off to a great start. Uh, sure, now no, we can concentrate. Concentrate how? With the English out of Ireland. Yes. We can keep the fighting among ourselves. <laughs> well, now that Ireland's free, a great injustice has been remedied. Uh, only one injustice remains. And what is that? The greatest injustice of the world is that money is green and the Irish have so little of it. <laughs> me especially. Well, tell me. Tell me, Ajax, what about schools and teaching? Ah, me boy, to me, schools are a waste of time. How do you mean? Well, if you're born in Ireland, you only have to learn one thing. And that one thing is? How to get to America. Goodbye, you. So long, Ajax. Come on, come on, Portland. Let's stop in the music store. I have a surprise for you tonight. A new song? Ah, yes. But this is a song with a little story. Last October, when you and I started walking down Main Street, Al Goodman wrote a few bars of music, which he called the Alan Stroll. You know the music. Well, so many people wrote to Al Goodman asking what the music was, if it was a song, that Al decided to use the few bars as a theme and compose a song. Mitchell Parrish, the man who wrote the lyrics for Stardust, has assembled the words. And tonight, for the first time, Portland, the five DeMarco sisters will sing the new Al Goodman, Mitchell Parrish number, Carousel of Love. Here I go again, riding on the carousel of love. Round and around, round and around, round and around. Again, spring is here and skies are blue above. My 
should beware, but I don't care. What do I care? Right in the carousel of love. I thought that I was smart, careful with my heart. Love and I were really through. But that was long ago. How was I to know that I'd meet lovely you? So here I go again. Riding on the carousel of love, round and around, round and around, round and around, head over heels in love with you. Wait a minute, Porter. Just wait outside the music store here. Here comes Kenny Delmar. See, there's some fellow with him. Well, hiya, Fred. Uh, meet a friend of mine, Speedy Simpson. Speedy's the world's fastest talker. Really glad to meet you, uh, Mr. Simpson. Oh, thank you, thank you. Wonderful to be here. Wonderful to be here. Glad to be here. How do you do, Mr. Allen? Well, I'm, uh, I'm uh, taking Speedy over to the Ford dealer. There's so much to say about the new Ford. I think a fast talker like Speedy can say it all and save the dealer some time. Uh, show Fred what I mean, Speedy. Well, I want to pour out the fast on the new model for the character. It's a quick to the mystery, which is the latest thing of the revolving wheels, and that won the Fashion Academy Award. Oh, say. Yeah, you see, Fred, in two seconds, Speedy told how the New York Fashion Academy picked Ford as the fashion car of the year because Ford is ahead in design and style appeal. Say, he sure did. Speedy covered everything as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> when it comes to describing the wonderful feeling you get when you drive the new Ford, that smooth midship ride, those sofa-wide seats, those magic action brakes, why, it would take the average talker all day to describe the new Ford feel. See how long it takes Speedy to do it. I'll take Rodan to point out the district of the standards of the new finger, which certainly is ended by the rheumatic tires. And what's more, take a look at any fair, didn't you see the model with the big picture windows and choice of engines, V8 or 6. Four seconds. Right. Four seconds. <laughs> right. Kind of. Speedy told the whole story, and he also mentioned Ford's recent price reduction. Oh, wait a minute, Kenny. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that about the price reductions. Oh, was that in there, too? Fred, I heard it distinctly. I didn't decipher it. just got away from me. Well, I, I followed him right up to the up end to of the V8 engine, but the price reduction got away. But Speedy doesn't miss a trick. But how can you anyone understand Speedy? Well, if you can't understand Speedy, just go down to the Ford dealers and see the Ford's good looks. Drive it and feel the difference. And those lower prices speak for themselves. Let's go, Speedy. I won't be here. I won't be here. Not so long, Mr. Allen. Don't mention it, Speedy. So long, Kenny. Come on, come on, Portland. What now? Isn't this where the circus is playing? It sure is. Well, you used to know when the circus was in town. Well, not anymore. The circus carries a nail wick two blocks long now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you, uh, are you, uh, 
Are you turning here? I have to see Mama. Oh, your mother? She's standing in line at the Radio City Music Hall. Oh, really? I have to go every three hours and bring Mama something to eat. Oh, really? I heard the Red Cross was opening a small <laughs> place in front. Well, see you next Sunday, Portland. Good night. Good night. Say, this man coming out of the bookstore looks familiar. Well, Fred Allen. Basil Rathbone. <laughs> This is a surprise, Basil. I thought you were still on the road with your play, The Air. And old Fred, I just finished an eight-month bus tour across the country. You lived eight months on a bus? Mm-hmm. Did you stop overnight at hotels? No, we slept on the bus. Oh, you had berths? No, every night the driver handed each passenger a pillow and a sleeping pill. Oh. <laughs> what, uh, what did you do about eating? At mealtimes, we'd stop along the road at a Howard Johnson stand for two minutes and have a malted milk. You had to drink your malted milk in two minutes? It was easy, Fred. Each malted milk was shared by four people. One <laughs> one malted milk for four people? Well, you must have lost plenty of weight. Actually, I gained ten pounds on the trip, Fred. I outsmarted the others. How? When the malted milk was served with the four straws... Yes? I would point to a freight train passing by and say, Look, everybody, there goes Burl Ives. Burl Ives? Yes, while the other three were looking under the freight cars for Burl Ives, yeah. I would plug up their straws with pipe cleaners. <laughs> You fooled those other suckers. With my clear... <laughs> With my clear straw, Fred, I was the only sucker. Well, well, Basil, now that you've finished your road tour... I, a laugh startled me, something... Well, Basil, now that you... Now that you've finished your road tour, I suppose you're relaxing. No, Fred, I'm, I'm busy with my radio program for Fatimas. Fatima cigarettes? Uh, yes, I smoke nothing but Fatimas, Fred. Uh, they're the new long Fatimas. Oh, you smoke Fatimas because they're longer. Uh, yes, I have rather a lengthy nose. I notice, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, when I try to light an ordinary-sized cigarette... Yes? I exhale through my nostrils and blow out the match... Oh, I see. Yes. Now, with the new long Fatima, yes. I can rest my nose on the cigarette while I'm lighting it. Oh, say, that's comfort while you're yes. smoking. Yes. yes. Well, about your uh, <laughs> about your radio show, Basil, I know it's a mystery program. Yes, Fred. That's what keeps me so busy. I'm always looking for new mystery stories. Really? Yes, I picked up, uh, just picked up these mystery books in the bookshop. Let me see. Yes, this first one is called uh, The Dirty Chiropractor. What? That's a mystery? <laughs> What yes. is that? What is that? Uh, the, the dirty chiropractor removes the backbone from one of his patients. Yes. That night, the patient's uh, back lights up, and he realizes too late that the dirty chiropractor has stolen his backbone and given him a neon spine. Oh, he was a dirty chiropractor. Yes. Now, Fred, what is that other one you have there? It's called The Butcher's Undoing. The Butcher's Undoing? Yes. A mystery? Yes. It's about a, a butcher who drugs his wife and hides her in his icebox. Yeah. But the wife is half Eskimo, and only half of her freezes to death. Oh, Basil, now wait a minute, old boy. <laughs> Old chap, these plots that you have here, they sound like something cooked up by the mystery chef on an off night. If you're looking for a real mystery, I have a mystery. Uh, what is your story about, Fred? Well, my story starts with a fanfare. Presenting the Mad Doctor of Downing Street. Oh, death for rubber gloves. I am Sir Hubert Buffington. For years, I was physician to His Majesty the King. Today, I sit here in Old Bailey, waiting to go to the gallows. Why, you ask? I'll tell you. My professional life was happy. Every morning, as I walked into my office, my nurse, Miss Tuttle, would say... Good morning, Doctor. Good morning, Miss Tuttle. What's on my schedule today? At two o'clock, you're to remove a kipper bone from Sir Stafford Pip's lower lip. Yes. <laughs> 
Then at three o'clock for an hour, you picket the socialized medicine clinic. Uh, <laughs> yes? And at four o'clock, you pose for a cigarette testimonial. Splendid! I don't know what we doctors would do without these testimonials for cigarettes. Is my T-zone chart ready? Yes, sir. Well, sterilize my pointer and I'll be off. My professional life was happy, but my domestic life was hectic. My wife, Lady Buffington, was constantly nagging me to buy her things. One morning I refused to buy her a television set. That night, as I came in the door, Chung, my houseboy, was waiting for me. Oh, Mr. Buffington. Uh, yes. Oh, something yes, yes, terrible yes. happened. Uh, yes, Chung, see Lady Buffington leave by back door with a double bag. Also find a note. A note? Uh, here is a note. Sir Hubert, you have finally gone too far with this... Inhuman stinginess. You know I'm crazy about pictures. This morning you refused to buy me a television set. All is over between us. I have run away with Cecil Spoonmaker. Signed, Lady Buffington. Cecil Spoonmaker? The name haunted me. Who was Cecil Spoonmaker? I searched for three months in vain. Then one day I was in my office trying to get my thumb out of a test tube when the door opened. <laughs> A stranger confronted me. Well, say, Doctor, Doctor, you've got to help me. Uh, your name, please. Spoonmaker. Cecil Spoonmaker. Cecil Spoonmaker? Yeah. I say, uh, have you ever been in London before, Mr. Spoonmaker? Oh, yes. Three months ago, I was here with the circus. The circus? Yes, I'm the tattooed man. I'll take my shirt off. I say, your right arm is the Tower of London. And here on my left arm... The White Cliffs of Dover. Yeah, yeah. Look here on me chest. My word, an enormous monkey climbing up your chest. His outstretched paws on your Adam's apple. Well, Doctor, that's why I'm here. I want the monkey taken off me chest. Taken off? I've been asked to give a command performance. I've got to make room for Winston Churchill. The monkey has got to go. <laughs> Very well, I shall give you an injection of energy. Energy? Well, it's a cleaning fluid. Precisely. When the energy gets into your bloodstream, that monkey will disappear. Right-o. Here's the energy solution. Now, hold out your arm. Right-o. Ow! That's all right. Now, there we are. I'll just sterilize this needle. I'll be back right away. Yeah. Oh, doctor. Do that, that injection. Something's happening. I can't breathe. Help! Doctor! Ah! <laughs> Calling Detective One Long Pan, proceed at once to Sir Hubert Buffington's foul play suspected. Calling One Long Pan, Detective One Long Pan. Ah, uh, greetings and shulamalakam, kiddies. <laughs> Detective One Long Pan, Oriental Sam Spade on job. All right, Louis Lopdegan, long pan catching everyone. All right, Louis Lopdegan, ho ho, long pan, long pan, an exceptional voice tonight. Maybe catch him fan letter from Jackie Eigen. I say, <laughs> I say, old boy, will you stop that infernal racket? Who are you, big boy? I am Sir Hubert Buffington, physician to His Majesty. You, you doctor, doctor? Yes. Uh, who is a party on floor with shirt off? Who is uh, party? He's one of my patients, a Mr. Cecil Spoonmaker. Oh, holy smoke, holy smoke. You, you, you some doctor. Long pie stick to Dr. Pepper. Meantime, <laughs> meantime, unless you for murder. Murder? That's ridiculous. Say, victim body covered with blue, blue picture. Uh, Mr. Spoonmaker was the tattooed man with the circus. Tattoo on arm? Yes, uh, that's the Tower of London. Oh. And these here, these are the White Cliffs of Dover. Well, you, you, you skip travelogue, script travelogue. <laughs> what is this on a chest? Fur coat? No, it's a monkey. 
Monkish Paul Leach up and grabbed dead man's Adam's apple. Uh, Mr. Spoonmaker came to have the monkey removed. Something fishy here, Doctor. Long past suspect monkey business. Oh, Doctor Buckington. Oh, ho, woman intercase. Who, 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 who is floozing? <laughs> uh, this is my nurse, Miss Tuttle. Oh, eternal now, baby. Long pan give you fast flisk. Here, take your slimy hands off me. Oh, you fess up, Missy. Where were you when Missy, when Missy Spoonmaker bumped off? Where were you? Where were you? I was in the doctor's laboratory with two loaves of rye bread making some black penicillin. <laughs> what, what happened? Dr. Buffington came out of his office and said he had given the patient an energy injection to remove some tattooing. Very good, very Suddenly good. Suddenly there was a scream. Dr. Buffington and I rushed into the room. Mr. Salomaker was dead. He had gone to that big sideshow up yonder. There's my alibi, Long Pan, and it's airtight. Confidential, a Long Pan stump, but not for long. <laughs> who, who, who else in house, Dr. Bluffington? Oh, well, only my houseboy, Chung. I'll ring for him. Oh, Long Pan, girl, Chung, China boy to fairly well. China, clicky people, duck soup for one Long Pan. Oh, you ling, Mr. Buffington? Chung! Long Pan! Ding ho! Oh, ding ho! Sing wu pu, sing tong! Oh, hui fang ling lung mu gai pen! Oh, mu bu gai pen! Oh, ding wu pu! Hula ma, hula ma, hula ma, hula you two seem to know each other. Chung, Chung, uh, Long Pan go to school together. Uh, Hong Kong, you class at 28. To the table down at Long Fong. <laughs> to the place where Reunion over, Chung, go back to oh, kitchen. Oh, you'll catch him later, Chung. Finish off a mouse song together. Uh, if you care to leave now, Long Pan, I won't charge you for this visit. Uh, show him to the door, Miss Tuttle. Right this way, Long Pan. Not so fast. Long Pan, Lee, examine body. Oh, you'll see, tattoo man also have picture inside coat pocket. You'll see, snap a shot. My word, it's Lady Buffington. My word, it's my wife. My word. With Lady Buffington, a snapshot is a dead man on floor, Mr. Spoonmaker. Maybe, Dr. Buffington, you, you, you explain why wife in picture snapshot with Mr. Spoonmaker. Yes, Long Pan. Lady oh. Buffington was mad about pictures. Three months ago, I refused to buy her a television set. To get even with me and to see some new pictures, Lady Buffington ran off with this tattooed man, Cecil Spoonmaker. And today, when he come into your office, you get, you get revenge. You personally kill Cecil Spoonmaker. How could I kill him? I wasn't even in the office when he died. Yes, Long Pen. I told you Dr. Buffington was in the laboratory with me. Not necessary. Doctor, be in office when give patient fatal injection. Fatal? Absurd. I merely gave him an injection of energy. Here's the bottle. Formula on bottle K2SO4AO7. Number now changed. Butterfield 82099. <laughs> In that bottle. Not energy, Missy. Bottle filled, concentrated solution, alum. 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 Good alum. heavens. I must have made a mistake. Make a mistake on purpose, Dr. Buffington. But how could the alum kill him? You see, on tattooed man's chest, big monkey. Paw of monkey, leech up and hold Adam's apple. The monkey's paws right around his throat. Exactly. Alum shrink Mr. Spoonmaker's body. As Mr. Spoonmaker shrink, monkey's paw close tighter and tighter around neck. Finally, monkey's paw choke Mr. Spoonmaker to death. You fess up, Dr. Muffington. You put tattoo man out of picture. I'm no match for you, oh, Ron. And no I confess, oh. Mr. Spoonmaker stole my wife. I killed him. Very good. No time to waste. Only 30 seconds left. Mistress Saul. Will I get the fellows long time. Confucius say, man who shrank other man bound to go away for a long stretch. Oh, oh long pen hot tonight. Ping pong anybody? Fantastic. <laughs>
Frank Bazalas wants for joining us tonight. Here's a tip-off on what they're saying in Detroit these days. The word is it will pay you Ford owners to keep your present car in top-notch condition. And the way to do that is to bring it back home for service, home to your Ford dealer. Thank you and good night. Good night. I hope you enjoyed that glimpse back into early radio comedy from almost 90 years ago with Fred Allen and then one of his last radio shows. And if you haven't done so already, contact us at one of the links in our show's description page to provide us with a suggestion or a comment, or just to say hello. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. We'll see you here on Monday for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce, and remember... Something fishy here, Dr. Long Pass, I suspect monkey business. Yay!